How would you respond if someone asked you what you thought was God's highest priority for every single Christian? I'm Glenn Schultz, the host of Kingdom Currents, and this is the topic I will be discussing on today's episode. What Christians believe is God's highest priority for their lives is critical to living the Christian life, but it also provides the answer to a question I am often asked. People will say to me, why did I title my book Kingdom Education and not simply Christian Education? The answer stems from something I learned when I first went to Lifeway Christian Resources to head up the Christian School and Homeschool section. Let me take a little time and explain what happened. As a Christian, I want to please God every day that he gives me here on earth. Uh, To do so, I want to know what is God's top priority that he wants to see in my life. And whatever that is, I believe it is true not only for my life, but for every Christian's life. Some tell me that God's highest priority for every believer is to evangelize the lost. Or or some have said to be an active member of a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church using your gifts to build the body of Christ. Others may say, well, his top priority is for you to spend time with God in his word and prayer each day. All of these are necessary things that should be a part of our lives as believers. But I propose that God's highest priority for every Christian is for him or her to know, understand, and experience his kingdom each and every day of his or her life. When I have said this, I've gotten some pushback and they go back to evangelizing the lost and being part of a church and things like this. But I believe this is true because of something Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, There's a particular verse that most Christians have not just heard, they've also memorized. It's Matthew 6.33. And it simply says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Uh, Unfortunately, many Christians simply gloss over the first part of this verse and go right to the promise that God will add all the temporal things that we need for our existence to our lives. Jesus is saying in this verse that the top priority for me and you and every believer is to seek his kingdom. My good friend, Pastor James McManus of Word of God Ministries, he makes this statement, and listen to it carefully. Whatever or whoever you put first in your life controls every other aspect of your life. That's a powerful statement. Tim Keller adds this bit of wisdom. Whatever you live for actually owns you. You do not really control yourself. Whatever you live for and love the most controls you. These powerful statements should cause us to sit up and take notice of our lives. See, the kingdom of God is a major topic throughout Jesus' earthly ministry. The number of times Jesus referred to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven or simply the kingdom varies depending on translation of the words used. But it is definitely over 90 times in the Gospels. So the kingdom of God is very important. But here's a big question that we better be able to answer. If God's highest priority for every believer, for you and for me, is to know, understand, and experience his kingdom every day, then we have to know what is the kingdom of God. 
See, we end up using spiritual phrases all the time. Uh, They sound very pious and uh, they come from scripture, but we seldom take time to really define them and know their true meaning. Here's a little mind game I play with groups when I'm speaking on this topic. I tell them to imagine themselves sitting in church one Sunday morning, and right before the service, a young man in his late 20s comes in and sits right next to you. Now, by all appearances, you think to yourself, this must be the first time this person's ever been in church. Uh, During the singing uh, part of the service, you sing that little chorus, Seek First the Kingdom of God. At the end of the service, this young man turns to you, and here's what he says. This is the first time I have ever been in a church. You may be thinking, I was right. But then he says something profound. He says, someone from this church came to my apartment last night and shared the gospel, and I was saved. I wonder what you would say to him. That's what I ask this a group when I'm doing the in-service. And I get answers like, uh, wow, that's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. Welcome to the family. Oh, praise God. But then he asks you this. We sang that little chorus about seeking God's kingdom first. And as a new believer, I, I want to do just that. So can you tell me what the kingdom of God is? You may say to him, well, that, that's what you should seek first. Then we get little chuckles through the audience. But he, but he keeps asking you, what, what is the kingdom of God? Because I want to know what it is so I can seek it. Well, then you think about, well, I've heard people say the kingdom of God is both in you and outside of you. But, but that doesn't help understand what it is. Well, it's also here now, but it'll come in its fullness later. And that doesn't do it either. And as this young man keeps imploring you to tell him what the kingdom of God is, I tell the group, oh, you probably come up with your wisest answer ever. You say, have you met our pastor yet? Everyone laughs at this, but this would be all too common of an occurrence if this really happened. Here's what God has taught me about his kingdom, and I pray that this will help you understand what... uh, the kingdom of God is so you can seek it first and also understand why I titled my book Kingdom Education and what it's really all about. I, I enjoy taking some of the online courses uh, that are put out by Disciple the Nations Alliance, DNA. In one of their little uh, courses, they talk about uh, the essential elements that make up any kingdom. For a kingdom to exist here on earth, there are certain elements that must be in place. And they list four. Listen to these carefully. For a kingdom to exist, number one, there must be a king. If there's no king, there's no kingdom. But number two is equally important. There must be subjects. See, if a person claims to be king, but he has no subjects, he's really not a king. There has to be subjects who have to submit themselves to the king's rule. Number three, there must be laws and ordinances by which the king rules his kingdom. And number four, the fourth essential element of any kingdom is there must be a territory over which the king rules. Now, if you take those four essentials of any kingdom and apply them as essentials to the kingdom of God, you come up with this. 
Number one, and the most important element of the kingdom of God is God is not a king, but the king. The second essential element of the kingdom of God is we as believers are his subjects. The third uh, essential element in a kingdom of God is God's word or the Bible contains his laws and ordinances by which he rules his kingdom. And fourth, the territory over which the king of the universe rules in the kingdom of God is our lives, our mind, emotions, will, what the Bible calls the heart. Ken Hemphill in his book, Empowering Kingdom Growth, or EKG, says that the kingdom of God really isn't that complicated of a concept to understand. He puts it this way. He's the king. We are the subjects. We are to obey him. That's it. When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, here's a key part of Jesus' model prayer. You find it in Matthew 6.10 and again repeated in another gospel. But in Matthew 6.10, you find this phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This verse tells us that the kingdom of God exists whenever and wherever his will is done. This means that I can experience his kingdom only to the degree I obey his will. Here's a fundamental truth when it comes to seeking God's kingdom. The key to knowing and experience God's kingdom is determined simply by one word, and that's obedience. When I first went to Lifeway Christian Resources, it was a time in the organization where they had a major focus going on on understanding the kingdom of God. Everything that was being developed seemed to focus on the kingdom. Uh, my uh, boss over the Division of Church Resources, Dr. Gene Mims, wrote a book titled Thine is the Kingdom at this time uh, while I was at Lifeway. And in his book, he defined the kingdom of God in a way that made it so understandable to me and thus allowed me to know how to seek God's kingdom first. Here's a simple definition he gave. The kingdom of God is the reign of God through Jesus Christ in the life of a believer and is evidenced by God working in, through, and around the individual. Now that made sense. God's kingdom is found in every Christian's life only when God reigns in his or her life as king. And how does he reign as king? When we, as his subjects, obey his commands. See, Jesus knew that if we seek his kingdom rule in our lives more than anything else, certain things will automatically be true. These are the things that I mentioned earlier in the episode. If God is really reigning in my life, guess what? I will share the gospel with lost people. I will be an active member of a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church using my gifts to build his church. I will spend time daily with God in his word and in prayer, and I'll even go and give God his tithe and my offerings. See, those things will be automatic if I'm seeking his kingdom rule in my life. The questions become this then. In what areas of my life does God want to reign as king? Is it just the religious or spiritual areas? Or or are there other areas that he wants to reign as king? Another question, where does God want to reign as king? I think we would all agree he definitely wants to reign as king in the church. 
because after all, Jesus Christ is the head of the church, so he wants to reign in the church, and probably most Christians would agree that God wants to reign as king in our homes. But what about in schools, or business, or politics? See, the reality is probably 90 to 95% of Christians have compartmentalized their lives up into the spiritual and the sacred and the secular compartments. See, we, we have sort of the religious area of our lives, uh, what we do on Sundays, and then we have our secular lives. That's what we do every day that God isn't that concerned with. And so we, we go and let God reign in our religious or spiritual, sacred aspects of our life. But the secular aspects, we just try to do the best and make wise decisions there. However, this is not how God looks at life. You've got to understand, he created everything. Everything is his. Because he created everything and he owns everything, he wants to reign as king over everything, even the education of children and youth. So when I'm talking about kingdom education, and I title my book that way, it has some deep meaning. Kingdom education exists only when God reigns in the entire educational process. Now, now again, that's a simple statement with deep, deep meaning. See, in a past episode of Kingdom Currents, I defined education this way. Education is the multifaceted process taking place at home, church, and school that prepares the child mentally, physically, spiritually, and socially for life and eternity by studying God and his creation in order to know him and give him glory. This means that for kingdom education to be a reality, God must reign as king in the educational process that takes place in our homes. That means he's got to reign as king in the lives of every parent. Also, for kingdom education to take place, part of the educational process is the church. So God's got to reign in the church on how we educate children. And of course, even in Christian schools or homeschools, God's got to reign as king what type of education we give our kids in the schools we send them to. That means that God's word, as it relates to how he wants us to educate children and youth, must be fully obeyed by parents, pastors, church leaders, and educators. Now, now here's the dilemma we're facing. For, for parents and church leaders and Christian school educators to, to obey what God's word says about educating children means that we first have to know what God's word says. Unfortunately, today's Christians have been found to be the most biblically illiterate body of believers in the history of the New Testament church. What we've got to understand is we as Christians don't have a biblical worldview, the majority of us. Even myself, I find myself uh, frustrated day in and day out because I realize I haven't completely taken every thought about all of life captive to what God's word says. And since we don't know God's word, then we don't understand the biblical principles that I've put in the book, Kingdom Education, to tell parents and church leaders and educators how to educate children. We, we must, as Christians, not only understand but fully embrace the biblical principles of kingdom education, an education where God reigns, that tell us how God wants us to educate our children. 
The absolute necessity for operating from a biblical philosophy of education is what led me to writing three books on kingdom education. Uh, This seeking the kingdom of God first and his reign in my life, especially when, when we're talking about educating our children, was the driving force behind the resources I put up on my membership website. Kingdom education, or God's reign in the educational process, is also why I'm conducting two kingdom education summits this year. Because if the home, church, and school do not address the issue of education biblically and develop strategies to ensure that the home, church, and school operate in full accord with kingdom education, then we are not going to be able to provide our children with an education that will make them into disciples of Jesus Christ. They will keep leaving the church and going out and embracing a secular worldview. Uh, These summits that I I started last year and I'm doing again this summer, uh, they are the most important events that I've ever conducted in my 54 plus years of teaching. See, kingdom education is not merely a buzzword or a catchphrase that makes Christian education sound more regal. It is something much more specific. It is definitely God's plan for educating future generations. And it's my prayer that through these Kingdom Current episodes, we can dive deep into kingdom education and how God wants to reign in the education we give our kids so that those children will grow up to be disciples of Jesus Christ. I want to thank you for listening to Kingdom Currents. To find out more about kingdom education, including the upcoming Kingdom Summits, please visit my website at kingdomeducationministries.com. That's kingdomeducationministries.com. I pray you have a blessed day and may God's kingdom rule be advanced in your life and the lives of the next generation. Northwest Christian School has made Biblical Worldview online courses available to all high school students for transcript credit, regardless of whether they attend public school, private school, charter school, or homeschool. Frameworks is an exciting new initiative utilizing the learning management system of Grand Canyon University. For more information, visit BibleClassesForPublicSchools.com.